You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome to the program. We made it to a Friday, and it's a meat Friday at that. In case you're wondering what's on the Traeger grills, smoky meatball subs, grilled prosciutto, wrapped asparagus. Who has it better than we do? Nobody. Come on in, stay a while, play the day, poll questions, stats of the day as well. 877-3DP-SHOW, email address dp at danpatrick.com, Twitter handle at show. Say good morning to Peacock, our streaming partner. Download that app and watch this program. I demand that you do that. I insist that you do that. I hope that you do that. The popular Scott Van Pelt on loan from the Mothership. He's been named the Sportscaster of the Year. I'm going to question the ballots tabulated there, but I'll give it to Scott Van Pesey. Well-deserved. He'll join us a little bit later on. Uh, when he played, every minute was a point. Jamal Crawford works for NBA TV, one of our favorites. Jamal will join us a little bit later on as well. As the Nets roll the 76ers, college hoops all weekend long with the bids going out. The Chargers acquire Khalil Mack from the Bears. We'll discuss that as well. But baseball begins. You know, we missed baseball without missing any baseball. So congratulations. You had to go away for us to miss you to come back. Baseball's back. But the past couple of weeks has been a roller coaster ride. Finally got an agreement. And then uh, baseball is going to have opening day, pushing it back to April 7th. I'm okay with that. You're going to still play 162 games. There's a universal DH. There's a draft lottery. Now 12-team playoff. The lockout had been going for 99 days. But I'll give baseball credit. Baseball notorious for resenting change. But it looks like making notable tweaks to the game. I don't know if it elevates the game back to America's pastime. I think that's past time. It's not going to happen. But baseball, reach a new audience maybe. That's a, a good first step. And I still think the date April 15th loomed large here. Now, I don't know this. Chris Mad Dog Russo, who works for the MLB Network yesterday, joined us. And, and he said, you can't have baseball have a lockout on April 15th, the 75th anniversary of Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier. That would be horrible PR for baseball. I don't know if that factored in. Really, this felt like it was Scott Boris's clients against baseball's owners. That's what it felt like. Because those players didn't want to agree to this contract. They had more extreme demands because of Scott Boris. And make no mistake about it, Scott Boris is a, a commissioner of sorts, the de facto commissioner with his players. But they got it done. Baseball coming back get spring training and opening day baseball during the first weekend of the Masters. You know, there's always going to be competition there. We know what the NFL does. We saw that this past week. I mean, start with Monday. Calvin Ridley got suspended for a year for betting $1,500 on football games. He's not even playing. And then you had Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson. Same day. Carson Wentz then. Now Khalil Mack. This is what football does. Crazy week. But this is why we move on so quickly from stories, from, from athletes. Does it seem like it was Monday when we talked about Calvin Ridley? Betting $1,500? Suspended for a year? Now you got Deshaun Watson 
going to go in front of the grand jury? They're going to decide if there's going to be criminal charges here? I don't know how long that lasts. His trusted attorney, Rusty Harden, who did such a wonderful job with Roger Clemens, says should be wrapped up, or at least he said this a couple of days ago, at the start of April. I sense a little sarcasm there. Yeah, just a little, little. I remember, you know, that whole thing in front of Congress, and, and he, he just thought you could talk your way out of everything. Rusty Harden loved the spotlight there. And he's going to parade Roger through Congress and have him to take pictures and everything's going to be great. Autographs. And then all of a sudden, um, people went, wait a minute, what's going on here now? I think uh, Roger might be guilty of something here. But back to Deshaun Watson. Meets in front of the grand jury and uh, we'll see if there's going to be criminal charges here. If not, then maybe it is wrapped up by April. Maybe Deshaun Watson's going to be out there. So then that's another huge story. Who's going to get Deshaun Watson if he's able to settle these civil suits and play next year? But also factor in this, the commissioner will probably suspend him. Any team that gets him it is probably, and, and I, was a, I asked this yesterday to a source. I said, can you ask the commissioner about disciplinary action? If you're an owner, can you, let's say, throw out a team, uh, well, the Dolphins aren't in the chase anymore. But but can I ask the commissioner, hey, we want to trade for him, but we need to know what, like, what happens. Can you help us here? Can you tell me something off the record? Could you say, yes, you are suspending him? Okay. Is there a chance you're going to be suspending him if there's no charges, no criminal charges? Is this conduct detrimental? And uh, my source said, he, he didn't know how, he couldn't find that out. But I said, I'm just curious about that. If you're an owner, Stephen Ross and the Dolphins said they're already out of Deshaun Watson mess, but uh, he's got his own mess to deal with. But I'm curious about that. Any of these other teams that might be interested in Deshaun Watson, can you find out, troubleshoot this ahead? All right, we'll have our play of the day. Got a poll question, stats of the day coming up. This program brought to you by Discover, offering helpful U.S.-based representatives available 24-7. You got questions? They got somebody who can answer those questions. Discover exceptionally common sense. Go to danpatrick.com. Great T-shirts there, including the Happy Dan Patrick's Day T-shirts. And we have Penny's Bang Biscuits. Penny, our house dog here. Bite-sized treats, perfect rewards for uh, a training session with your puppy using healthy, all-natural ingredients. 20% of all Bang Biscuit sales given back to hand-picked partners in the pet industry. I watched, uh, I watched the first half with the Sixers and the Brooklyn Nets. And there, it, it really, now there were two things going on. It felt like Sixer fans were protesting the fact that Ben Simmons was there and didn't want to play for them. Now, if I'm a Sixers fan, I have a right to be mad. Because this is the number one draft pick. He decided he was going to hijack the franchise. He didn't want to play. He was upset with the fans because their reaction to him in fourth quarters of big games. He regressed as a player. Joel Embiid, you know, criticized him. Doc Rivers didn't fully endorse him. And then all of a sudden he wants out. Well, the fans showed up and they have every right to be angry at him or boo him. I didn't have any problem with that. And he shows up in the arena. And I respect him. When I saw him, I said, all right, 
good. If this is if this is the start of a comeback for him, great. If you got to get that out of the way, go ahead. Boo to your heart's content. And then the game started. And it was one of those games where it, it had so much ten, uh, tension there. And it felt like it's building and building. And then all of a sudden, it wasn't building. The building was falling down because KD and Kyrie said, and Seth Curry said, uh, hey, uh, the new Kobe and Shaq, we're going to take it to you guys. Uh, is, is everybody on the Sixers bandwagon today? Hello? Anybody? Where where are you? Four days ago. Where, they're, they're the new Shaq and Kobe. I went, can we, can we slow down here? Can we slow down? Five days ago, I said, let's slow down. Four days ago, I had people tell me they're the new Shobe, uh, Shaq and Kobe. I said, no, they're not. No. They're not even the uh, the new Paul Gasol and Kobe at the end of his career. I mean, it's a stop. I mean, it's just silly. Here's Shaq talking about the 76ers. Right here, right now, would you be willing to crown Embiid and Harden as the next Shaq and Kobe? No. Ooh. Me and Kobe had eight years of damage together. No, not even close. Stop it. If they won one championship, would they be no. in the conversation? Listen, N-O, H-N-O, and F-N-O. <laughs> Figure it out. Oh, God. This is when you have a hot take. Yeah, got your hot take. Good luck with your hot take. You got eight games. They had eight years. Yeah, I think they're the new Shaq and Kobe. Uh, no, they're not. Of course they're not. Until James Harden shows up in the playoffs, please, don't. he's, he's going to have a wonderful career. I don't know if he's going to have anything to show for it. Wonderful career, stat-wise. I want to see what you do in a big moment in a playoff game. And last night felt like a playoff game. James Harden didn't play well last night. In your own building. With the buildup. And Embiid, I, I loved seeing Embiid and Kevin Durant go back and forth with each other. They were jawing there. And I liked it because it was in the context of the game. The, you know, it, 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 wasn't, it wasn't outlandish. It wasn't, I'm trolling you. It was in the heat of the game. I'm saying something to you. You're saying something to me. And the officials didn't tee anybody up. They just let them talk a little bit. And I liked that. Because that's how, I mean, the game is played that way. It was intense. And KD crossed up Tobias Harris, and I said, that is not fair. That's not fair. He's seven feet tall. That's not fair. Kyrie played great. I told you, Seth Curry, to me, a huge loss to the Sixers. And a great pickup for the Brooklyn Nets. Because that guy can shoot. And he's a great shooter. Never be as good as his brother, but he's a great shooter. And it's another weapon to have. Another reason why you don't have to have Ben Simmons shoot. Because I got Seth Curry there. And Brooklyn played well. And, you know, are they going to meet in the playoffs? Maybe. That would be nice. Delicious. But it was fun to watch that. It was, it, it was fun to have a game that felt like it meant something even though I don't know if it did, it sort of reinforced things. You know, Harden, 
it, it's just you watch him. Sometimes I marvel of how great he is, and sometimes I marvel at how bad he is. You go three for 17. KD, and, and it, early in the game, Reggie Miller was talking about how KD, when he makes shots, the net wasn't even moving. I mean, he just, I don't know how you stop any of that with KD. Because I don't know what you can force him to do that he can't do. Because it feels like, I, I think you could just say to KD, you're going to take 25 shots every night. And I'm going to bank on you making 14 to 25 at least. And the thing is, is I don't think he's a ball hog. I don't think he is a gunner. I, I think he's economically as great as anybody who's ever played the game when it comes to scoring. And he rebounded last night. It was just, Embiid's going to be the MVP. But KD is always that subtle reminder, maybe not so subtle reminder of, damn, is he good. And it's, if, if it's possible to be underrated, KD's underrated at times. And look, I, I got caught up in, I get, you know, have arguments with guys, NBA guys. And, you know, I was always saying LeBron's still the best player in the game. Uh, KD is a better player than LeBron now. But it's taken a long time. But it's still close. I mean, that's how great LeBron is. KD is fascinating to watch. Steph is, Steph is a thing, you know? He's not the best player. He's a thing. Like you go, oh, my God, that guy. He's the most entertaining player. But Joel Embiid is spectacular. Joel Embiid is wonderful. And, and he's unstoppable as well. The footwork, the ability to shoot. He's a good free throw shooter. Uh, but I looked at that Sixers lineup and I went, all right, who's going to step up? You know, Maxie going to step up. Uh, you got to have that third weapon here. Tobias Harris. But it was fun to watch last night. Fun to, to watch a game where it felt like, damn, they're playing hard. Yeah, see. If you're the Nets, though, and is there enough time left in the season to introduce Ben Simmons into the flow of the team? I mean, it's already so up and down with Kyrie playing half the games and then KD just coming back and talking about chemistry and things like that. How do you even play Ben Simmons at this point? I think it's a great question, and I can't answer the question because I don't know how healthy he is mentally or physically. But I do think, as KD and Kyrie said, if you're going to boo him, you're booing us, and we have your back. Like, he needs that because he didn't have that at the end of his career in Philadelphia. They sort of abandon ship. They're like, uh, dude, you got to shoot. You got to you gotta want the ball. You got to score. You got to be ready for a big moment. Oh, you don't want it? Oh, now you want out? All right, we'll move on. Yeah, Paul. I think you said this when the trade happened. If Ben Simmons plays on this team, he's, he could not have any pressure to shoot the ball here. He's the fourth option at, at earliest. with Seth. I think Seth Curry is averaging 17 since he's a net. This is a... Zero pressure from the offensive end. It could be defense. It could be passing. It could be running the lanes. Seth Curry is a big deal. He really is. And, and you know, a lot of times when I look at a trade, you I always like to see sort of who else was thrown in there. Andre Drummond was not afraid of Joel Embiid last night. He went, like, bring it. Now, is he a better player? No. And you expect Embiid to get the better of him? Yes. But the attitude was... Uh, let's bring it. Let's see what you guys got. Hey, Shaq and Kobe, let's see what you guys got. Oh, uh, uh, we're going into third quarter. Where's Shaq and Kobe? 
Yeah, pull. Seth Curry is the Jim Belushi of NBA players. Really good career, wow. lots of movies, wow. made a lot of money. Mm. Uh, he can never overcome his, the aura of his older brother. Mm. John Belushi, I mean, mm. it's exactly the great comparison. There will not be, I don't know if it's the great exact, oh. but uh, it's not really timely to people, you know, a younger audience. They're Seth probably, is a better player, though, than, than Jim Belushi. Than Jim was an actor. It's already a debate. Wow. Right? <laughs> Call Nick Wright. Yes, Marvin. Has no one seen The Principal? <laughs> um, Come on. <laughs> well, okay, front row. All right, that's front row. I like the teamwork Back there. Back in your boy. Yeah. Yeah. I sat next to Paul for 15 years. I got two fist bumps in my wow. whole life from him. Already these two. Marvin. Hey, Todd. Well, Give me hey, yeah. uh, boom. Seaton, it wasn't a big fist bump from Marvin. <laughs> okay. Oh, I barely even noticed it. I, it felt like a grazing. It's like a little baby gave you a fist bump. <laughs> wow. Like a four-year-old gave you a little fist bump there. All right, let's take a break. <laughs> Phone calls, always welcome on this program. A little bit later on, we'll talk to Jamal Crawford, NBA TV. Scott Van Pelt will join us. Two years ago tonight, Sports World stopped for the most part. We'll talk to uh, Van Pelt. He was on the air at the Mothership at the time. We thought we'd reminisce with him as well. 18 after the hour, just getting started on this Meet Friday. Back after this, Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock app. Oh, we always love having Jamal Crawford on. Turner Sports NBA analyst, three-time winner of the NBA Sixth Man of the Year. Great score. And uh, Jamal back on the program. Jamal, how are you? How's the jumper? I'm great. It's still there. It's still really, really in motion. So it's Could you there. play right? You're, what are you, 42 in a week? Yes, 42 in a week. Could you play right now? Absolutely, for sure. Why um, are you not playing? That's the million-dollar question, Dan. It's, that's been something that's kind of drove me crazy for a while. It's, it's amazing when I see guys have high-scoring games, 40 or 50, and people are like, hey, that's the next star. I told you he was going to be a star. And I'm like, that's true. But I got 50 and really couldn't even get a job the next year, and that's kind of baffling for me as well. How old were you when you scored 50? 39. I was 39 years old. But I did do it off the bench, so. <laughs> but you had to embrace that. And I guess it's hard for today's player to say, I'm, I'm not good enough to be in the starting lineup. But it's not true because you were. But how, how did that help your career coming off the bench as the sixth man? Well, I think it, it put people uh, on notice because I was known as a good player as a bad, on bad teams. Uh, when I was scoring a lot, we weren't winning a lot. And I said, you know what? I'll do anything. And as fate would have it, I got traded to the Atlanta Hawks, and they already had their starting five in place. They had been to the playoffs, so I said, you know, I'll come off the bench, no problem. And it sounded easier than when I actually had to do it, but then when I had to do it, I was like, oh, I can do this. And I think it extended my career. Uh, I think people viewed me in a different light, and I thought you would need a player like that to, to be a championship-caliber team looking at guys like Jason Terry and Manu Ginobili. I saw where Kyle Korver is working with Ben Simmons. Mm -hmm. If you were working with Ben Simmons, what would you work on? Uh, I work on the mental part of it first. Uh, I would get him in a relaxed place as far as having fun. It's not life or death. I would get him in that pace. Whenever he had the most fun, whether it was a kid, a child, 
and you know, when he was coming up in high school, try to put him in that state as much as possible to kind of free everything else. But I wonder about you get into the fourth quarter and you could almost see him looking at the clock like it, we're going into the fourth quarter. I don't want to be taking shots consciously, subconsciously. How do you, how do you remove that from somebody who has that much talent of you want the ball in your hands in the fourth quarter? I would possibly trick, trick him that it's the first quarter. Uh, DeAndre Jordan, <laughs> <laughs> DeAndre Jordan, right? He free throws. He, he would get a little nervous late in games. And I've never said this before, but I would go up and sing to him. You know, I would sing a song to get him to smile and relax before he shot free throws. And in the fourth quarter, I, I bet you his free throw percentage was a lot higher than it was the first three quarters. <laughs> Paulie, check that. What song did you sing to DeAndre Jordan? Biggie, biggie, biggie. <laughs> and he starts singing it with me, and then he starts smiling. He asked me about it. Then he starts smiling, and then he relaxes and starts making free throws. Oh. You know, I, was, I, I start to think about this with the offense that's played now. Now we want to christen uh, Joel Embiid and James Harden as the new Shaq and Kobe. Um, mm. How do you – you played against Shaq and Kobe. How do yeah. you feel about that when after, what, five games we want to yeah, say right. they're, they're the new Kobe and Shaq? Yeah, that's the, the, the area we're in now. But, no, nah, there's only one Shaq and Kobe. That's the most dynamic duel I would say ever, potentially as strong as they both were. Um, they won championships, so, you know, they were able to, to earn the right of Shaq being Shaq and Kobe, right? Like you said, five games is rather soon. I think they're both <laughs> Hall of Fame talents. I think they're both very, very skilled and very, very good, quite honestly. But we're a little early on that, that proclamation. Okay, what happens to Harden? Because he's a wonderful player, fascinating player, but, man, he can giveth and taketh away, Jamal. And certainly in the playoffs, what happens to Harden? Well, I think uh, with James, especially his gift is how intelligent he is a basketball player, but also his other gift is how free he plays. He plays really free. He's, he's at peace with his game. He's never rushing. He's never, you know, he's dictating everything that's going on in the playoffs. It tightens up and then they allow you to be more physical. You know, one of James gifts is being able to be a, a foul magnet, right? But he gets fouls in the regular season. He doesn't necessarily get in the playoffs. And sometimes that's an adjustment for him as well. Yeah, it's just that when – if I was look, okay, best duo in basketball right now is who? Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. Okay, yeah, I agree. I, yeah. yeah, I agree. I feel like they have mismatches most nights, and they both perform the best on the biggest stages, on the brightest stages. Just like last night's game, that was a game within the game for them. They wanted to send a message, and they knew the whole country was watching. They knew Ben Simmons. Like, come on out, Ben. You can come out, and they can boo you, but we got your back. Don't worry about this. We got it. God, when I watch Durant in transition, Jamal, uh, seven-footer, and then he, he crosses over Tobias Harris. And Have you ever seen anybody block Durant's shot, like jumper? No, I have not. And the thing about Kevin, he's one of the rare superstars in history who doesn't disrupt your offense. Watching him play is like watching the water come out of a faucet. He can play the catch-and-shoot game. He can play the pick-and-roll game. He can play the isolation game you can play the post game and he always makes the right play and that's what also makes him so hard to guard because it's not like oh he's just going to score he's going to shoot every time it's like no i'll score you double team i'll make the correct pass and people love playing with players like that paulie do you have deandre jordan's free throw numbers first quarter fourth quarter i kind of have something that could help jamal crawford's case okay. before jamal crawford joined the clippers uh, deandre jordan was shooting 38 percent from the free throw line the next year, he went to 43%, 44%, 48% with Jamal Crawford on the team. In fourth quarter, I guarantee you. <laughs> <out of that. laughs> 
So you you played against peak Kobe, peak LeBron, late Jordan? Yes, Wizards Jordan. Okay. And I, how different was Jordan as the Wizards Jordan and, and the Bulls? Well, obviously uh, a little bit older, but he was still dominant. People forget his first year with the Wizards before he had the knee injury. Him and Kobe were the only two guys in the whole league that were averaging like 25, 5, and 5. And Jordan was 39 years old, so he was still unbelievably good. I had a chance to train with him coming into that season. Uh, but obviously a little bit older. He had to pick his spots a lot more to save his injury, inner energy. Kobe was like nothing I had ever played against because I didn't see Wizards. I didn't see Bulls Jordan. So Kobe was just the talent, the skill level, the artistry, the mentality. He can go 0 for 8 and hit the game winner with like it was nothing. 0 for 8, man, he was closer to getting hot. He wasn't thinking like he had off night, <laughs> right? And, and then LeBron is just – He's a freak of nature. You've never seen a player that athletic with that kind of IQ. His basketball intelligence, he's a chess master. He's always moving pieces, always moving across the board, always thinking the game. I would say he's almost like a bigger version of CP when it comes to how they think the game. They're chess masters. Okay, I'll give you MJ, Kobe, LeBron in their prime as a teammate. Mm. As a teammate? Yeah. Um. I didn't play with any one of them. But if you ask me how I viewed them from as a peer. Which would one say, would you want as a teammate? I would say Michael. Okay. Just because I, I feel like he's he's one of one. Michael is so great that when somebody else is great in another field, we say that's the Michael Jordan of that. I would want to be a part of that. And the Bulls are my favorite team growing up. Yeah, but I would want LeBron if I'm a shooter like you are. Because Mike and Kobe, they're going to cut into your shots there, Jamal. Yeah, it didn't say I'll play on my whole career, but I want to go through that phenomenon. I want to see what that's like. I'm a young player coming in. Don't forget, I came in as a point guard, so I'd be fine with him. <laughs> We're talking to Jamal Crawford, Turner Sports NBA analyst, three-time winner of the NBA Sixth Man of the Year. Were you in the Gatorade commercial with Jordan? That you, I was. You played the – how old were you? You played the younger Jordan, the Bulls version of Jordan, and he's with the Wizards? Absolutely. I was 20 – two, I believe. And I was the younger version. And I'm like, okay, what's the lines? He's like, no lines. Let's just talk. Let's play one-on-one. I'm like, there's no lines. Like, so I start reaching for the ball. He's like, you reach, I teach. Right. And he's, he's kind of, I'm going off of his flow. I'm like, okay, my play, I'm trying to play like me. I'm trying to play, just play. And the director that day, his name is Joe. I forget his last name. He directed space chair. He's like, go up and dunk and do that. And, and MJ was like, JC doesn't do all that dunking. All right. Get, and then they had Kevin Daly. Uh, from the Harlem Globetrotters who was doing the actual dunking. So I did the one-on-one stuff on the court, talking to him, <laughs> playing one-on-one and that stuff. And it was really, really a dream come true. I didn't know then it would be such an iconic commercial. But, you know, you go home, you tell your boys, like, hey, what'd you do today? Um, I I was Michael Jordan versus Michael Jordan. Nah, Dan, it was the other way. As soon as I got the car, I said, I'm going to be in the commercial with Michael Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> and you got Gatorade, right? And I got Gatorade. And I actually got a check from Gatorade for that. I couldn't believe that. I was like, I get paid to be in a commercial with, with Michael Jordan. This is this is crazy. Is there hope for the Lakers? Their best hope, their best hope, Dan, is that they make the playoffs. I actually think they could be a better playoff team than they were a regular season team. And I believe with the veterans they have, the game slows down dramatically. And the Lakers kind of need that. They don't. They don't really enjoy doing extra effort things or getting out in transition or running back too much. So I think they're actually built more for the playoffs. I'm just not sure they get there. Would you make Russell Westbrook sixth man? 
No, I would not do that. I would actually stagger his minutes a lot more, like most great teams do, right? Or when they have two great players that kind of on the perimeter, I would stagger his minutes a lot more. So he would probably come out at the eight-minute mark, let LeBron play the whole first quarter. Then I bring back rest the second quarter with the second unit. You know, so that's a way of kind of staggering their minutes where he gets comfortable being more the focal point because Westbrook is kind of, this is low-hanging fruit. The Lakers' issues are a lot deeper than Westbrook when I watched them play. But I would stagger his minutes to kind of put him more in that alpha dog role when he's out there with the second unit. What are some of the issues that are deeper rooted than Russ? Like I said, extra effort. Uh, I feel like when they're winning, they have a lot more energy. Things are different when they're not winning. It's like a boxer. You're going to get hit in a boxing match. If you get hit, you know, you got to fight back. And when I see them get hit, they don't necessarily always fight back. And, and that's kind of the problem. AD's not there. They have some deeper issues. What's the coolest thing in your office? Hmm. My wife got me my first ever shoes over on, you can't see them right now, but my rookie shoes, I hadn't seen them since I was a rookie. So she found those. And then I would say the Kobe shoes, he actually signed for me. And then the Jordan picture right there over my shoulder. That's probably those three, top three. Okay. But if you have to get out of the house and you take one thing, what are you taking? I'm taking Kobe shoes that he signed for me because I can never get those again. What did he, uh, what did he write on there? And I was looking forward to that too, Dan. I was like, what's he going to say? What's he going to say? He said, Jamal, great competing against you all these years. Yeah. Much, res- much respect. And that for him, that was so big because he thrived on competition. We had some great battles. So. Do you think Kobe could be underrated because he's sort of in between LeBron and Mike? Yes, without a doubt. And I think, I think he's a top five basketball player of all time. I, I feel like you could have dropped him at any era in his peak and he would have been a top five basketball player all the time. His, like I said, his, his skill level was out of this world. Dan, he had a shot where he was shooting left hand. Like he was shooting, even Mark Cuban had a stand up. Like that was just unbelievable, right? I mean, <laughs> he, he had 62 and three quarters in the match at 61. They said, Kobe, you want to get 80? He said, no, I'll do it later. He did it you know, a month later. Like he was out of this world good. He's the best like player I ever played against and matched up against. So yeah, he he's underrated for sure. And I, I hope, more guys who played against him. I thought uh, that he could have. I thought he could have scored a hundred in a game, because he had the mentality mm-hmm. to do that. And I mean, he got eighty-one, but yeah, he wasn't far off. <laughs> yeah, because he would have gotten eighty. I we had Dirk Nowitzki on earlier in the week, and and he said, you know, Kobe outs, you know, outscored us, and then didn't play in the fourth quarter. So he put up sixty-two and didn't play in the fourth quarter. He said it easily could have gotten eighty, eighty-five in my opinion. Dan, has anybody ever done that? And then to actually go get 80 after that, like his mentality, his skill level, his work ethic. Mama mentality is, is a way of life. It's not just on the court. It's how you live. It's maximizing every second to what you do, what your craft is, and how you go about your craft. So it's inspiring. Uh, Kobe had a whole different aura about him. There could be a room full of stars. He would walk in, and even the stars would be like, that's Kobe. You know, he's, he had a different a different deal with him. Although when Michael showed up at this 75th anniversary team. Oh, did you? I tweeted about Did you see that? That was, okay. Kobe had a different swag about him. Jordan's was the same level, but he had a glow when he walked in as well. It was like, is there smoke around that guy? What is, what's, everything freezes. What's going on with him? Absolutely. That was when the crowd goes crazy and it's Cleveland. So this is LeBron's town. Mike comes in and all of a sudden, uh, LeBron who? It's, it's amazing. My 11-year-old son, JJ, we watched it. 
And he said, look how, look how MJ walks in. He said, I said, how do you walk in? He said, he walked in like a boss. Like he just walked in like he, like he owned the joint, right? And I'm like, if my 11-year-old son picked up on that, I know the players there did as well. It, it, can JJ shoot? Oh, yeah, he can shoot it. He can really shoot. He can play. He loves the game. I actually coach him. And uh, this is my first year doing that. I'm, I'm having a ball with it. So, yeah, he can play. I know you uh, You live in Seattle. It's, when's Seattle getting the NBA team here, Jamal? You, you see my shirt, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is a little innuendo here. We, we're putting this out here. I, I like it. I believe, I believe in the next five years. I believe the hockey team had to uh, come first, and now we got that. Everybody sees our fan base. You see the Storm, the Seahawks, the Mariners, uh, now the Kraken. We have an unbelievable fan base. People love coming to the city. We're built for it, and, and we'll support it well. So I think within the next five years, I said that 10 years ago, but now, <laughs> I, actually, now I actually believe it. I believe it's five years. Downtown Freddie Brown, Jack Sikma. Yes, Lenny Wilkins. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Williams, Len, yeah. That was that was a lot of fun. That I, I love the atmosphere, you know, because I'll go back to when George Carl was there, and, oh, and, and they, were, they were in the finals against Mike. And I thought Sean Kemp was the best player on the floor, Jamal. In the NBA Finals against the Bulls, it was like, holy smokes. That's a he whole was, different guy. Yeah, he was out of this world good. You had Gary Little hampered, and he came and played well towards the end. Uh, MJ was MJ, of course, but Sean Kemp was the one people talked about. Like, you know what? This guy came out of nowhere. I mean, the dunk when he went over Rodman, and he had some great <laughs> moments. And, and Sean is a great – him and his wife, Marvina, are great in the community. Uh, even now to this day, they do a lot of a lot of things that we collaborate on. Great to talk to you again, as always. And uh, as if, well. if so, if the Clippers, the Lakers, and Golden State called right now, oh, I'll be ready. Ten day, no, no ten day contract, it. you could go. No doubt about it, I'd be ready, and I'll get some buckets. Oh, I know that. <laughs> did you ever do points per minute in your career? Like, how many points did you score per minute in your career? Um, I, I've never done that. That's a good one. I know one year, the year, my first year in LA, I think uh, per 48, I was at like 30. I was pretty high my first year. That's the year I, Steph and I both thought we were making an all-star game. We, we talked about it. And we both were wrong because Dave at least snuck in there and took it. Ooh. But it, yeah, that first year when I was with the, the Clippers, but I've never done that. Is Steph a better shooter than you? He is. He absolutely is. He he, he can get hot. He's better than anybody that's ever shot the ball. And, and the way he's changed the game. Is anybody I mean, better than – okay, so Steph is uh, at, on his own level. Own planet. Okay, is there anybody else who's a better shooter than you, in your opinion? No, there's a lot of guys, actually. Ray Allen, uh, okay. Reggie Miller, those guys were, were knockdown shooters. Even Kevin Durant, he doesn't get the credit he deserves just as a pure shooter. Kyrie as well. There's some great shooters out there, but I, I would say I'm in the top 10 hey, somewhere. That's not bad. That's yeah. not bad. Uh, great to catch up with you again, as always. Jamal, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. That's Jamal Crawford, Turner Sports NBA analyst and three-time winner of the NBA Sixth Man of the Year Award. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app, at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Mike check. Mike check. Check, check, check. Do you want exclusive insight from the biggest names in the sports game? What's good? This is national champion and former pro baller Chris Johnson. And let me tell you a little bit about my new series, KJ Live. KJ Live is the only show featuring me going one on one with the brightest basketball minds on the planet to get the real. And when I say real, 
I mean that real. I got legendary Hall of Famers, elite coaches, and the top basketball insiders bringing you a unique perspective on all things hoops culture that you will not find anywhere else. To make your next move your best move and tap in with me on KJ Live, wherever you get your podcast from. Uh, Scott Van Pelt, popular uh, anchor for ESPN, the Mothership Sportscaster of the Year. Van Pizzi joining us on the program. How are you, Scott? I'm really good. I, I Watching you say Brigitte, Brigitte. was a, an early early highlight of my day. That was, uh, that was something. Uh, do you wanna, stuff up there. Do you want to be in the contest here of Bad Song by a Great Artist or Great Band? Uh, sure, I'll I, I'll uh, I'll throw one out there, okay. um, and this has been heavily Im- influenced by my uh, running mate Stanford Steve because he hated this song and it made me hate this song. It's "Blue Christmas" by Elvis. Okay, and the the more I heard it throughout the holiday, and I would hear the uh uh and I thought, oh, it's not it's not good, is it? It's unpleasant. And then there's the people in the background kind of wailing like dogs. Um, Blue Christmas by Elvis is a, a is not a song I enjoy. Do you turn it off, or do you change channel? I think I endure, I think I just endure it oh, because okay. I feel like it's not that long, and you know, Christmas you get a small window with the holiday music, which I do enjoy, uh, but I don't like Blue Christmas by Elvis. Yeah, I don't like when we have known artists do Christmas songs. No, like Paul McCartney. Simply having a wonderful Christmas time. Well, that's a horrendous song, too. <laughs> it's, it's just, I, There's some bad Christmas songs. Yes, but on are. the other hand, well, like Mariah Carey, I mean, she's she's got a whole a whole slew of fine Christmas music. Well, she's the queen of Christmas. There you go. Yeah. There you go. So that's that's my entry. Okay. That was it. That was all I wanted to talk to you about. Is, uh, thanks, Dan. <laughs> Everyone, thanks good. Family's good. Everything's great. Everything's right. good. Right uh, two years ago today... What was the schedule like when you were going to do Sports Center at the end of the evening? Oklahoma City's playing Utah, and you probably thought that's somewhere in the rundown, maybe. Yep. But yep. what what was your thought process the day sports started to die two years ago tonight? What I remember vividly, Dan, about that week was this horrible feeling of uh, this this creep, this this tide that was slowly rising and it was closing in and it was it felt like a matter of time and i remember specifically thinking about the big 10 tournament because that year my beloved maryland team was good they want to share the big east and maryland wasn't going to play until friday today because they were one of the top four seeds and i just remember thinking i just hope they get to the game but then i remember like thinking get to the game meaning what not not that the, everything would stop of course and that night and and Dan you you'd be able to relate to this so well having done it for for years you're you're watching games you're keeping tabs on what's happening i was going to be doing cut-ins which is the thing you see during halftimes of the nba games and we've got you know six or seven monitors maybe more in um in the one room we were in because we were running an illegal sports book out of this area <laughs> uh, i'm kidding uh but we're watching and you could see something was going on in oklahoma city but we didn't have the sound up and so then we potted the sound up to what's what is this well the officials just came running out and you know twitter being what it is you're, you're getting you know indications something's wrong 
then it's like maybe someone's sick and then I run up and it's Woj telling us that the that something it's go bare and the season's done and you're like oh my god I mean it, it went from zero to a hundred like that and then the reality of it lands like a like an absolute anvil on your head for what it meant because in looking back I mean I don't believe this is hyperbole to say it the NBA and go bears positive completely changed the direction of COVID in the United States of America yeah Be- because when the NBA said we're done and the NHL followed suit and then you know, awfully, uh, the, the, the NCAA tournament said we're done because that that's, was nothing that could be revisited, unfortunately. You know, obviously, Stanley Cup and the NBA were able to continue. But I just – it was incredible from around 8 o'clock Eastern that night to going on live because the Kings-Pelicans game, which they were going to play, yeah. and then I think it, the reality for them landed like, what the hell are we doing? Like, we're not doing this. Of course, there was an official that had, had been in the Utah game not a, a couple of days earlier, and the Pelicans are like, why? Like, because remember mentally where we were then. It was this this horrifying thought that if you got it, what did it mean? Maybe we were you were doomed. So I don't know. There were just so many things swirling, uh, and with the benefit of a couple of years, it's interesting, sort of how some things are maybe more clear. And um, it was a lot, man. But how do you think history is going to treat Rudy Gobert? Well, I mean, they'll always remember him doing what he did with the microphones and, and making light of it. Um, but I, I, I remember this, Dan, I remember that night saying to Roy Shung on, on the air, and I said, I tried to be as clear as I could. I said, I'm, I'm thinking out loud. I'm not trying to play doctor here because we didn't know. But I said, is it maybe a good indication that Rudy felt well enough that he wanted to play, but they told him he couldn't, you know, because you know what I'm saying? Like, at that point in 2020, if you're positive for COVID, like, oh, God, maybe I'm, maybe I'm going to die by tomorrow. Well, as it turned out, and particularly in the athletic world, gratefully, that, that really, nobody really got that horribly ill, or, I mean, uh, in professional athletics. Um, and I think they'll remember that he acted like an idiot and he was too casual with the doing, making fun of things. Um, but they'll remember, his, they'll always remember his name because he was the first big time athlete. And I think they'll remember that he was the one that made the NBA slam the brakes, which led everybody in our country to take it, take it much more seriously than they had been prior to that Wednesday night. Paulie and I were talking about this recently that we went two months without any live sports. And this is three hours that I'm doing a show. Yeah. You're doing a highlight show, so you kind of build in highlights in a highlight show. At what point did a light go on and say, "This is the let's pivot and we can still do this every single night"? I don't want to be over, you know, not. I just don't want to be dramatic about it because there were people doing far more uh, important work. We all understand this. I just say that. For someone whose job it is to, to do an hour-long show about the night sports and the highlights, and there are none, it, it was mentally just you got to a point where it was just like, what are we going to do? And let's remember the direction of the conversation at the time, Dan. We had the George Floyd murder in Minnesota. In Minnesota. We had the Bubba Wallace incident 
in, in Talladega, which, you know, people, what was that? It was that it was simply just an innocuous thing that happened to be in his stall, whatever the case might have been. But remember the tenor of the conversation in our country, and a lot of that occupied our time. And there's a, a segment of our population that always wants you to stick to sports. And I remember thinking, I'd happily stick to sports. I just, <laughs> I'd love for you to tell me what they are, because I'm, I, I'm, I'm fresh out of sports over here. And we were, we creatively came up with stuff. I, I remember um, thinking, and it's interesting, our president, Jimmy Pitaro, had some, a, a very similar idea, and we all kind of lumped it together. Just how do we honor people whose seasons ended? Because there were so many athletes across the country that were on the cusp. Think of where we are right now. You're ready to crown a champion in some sport. Maybe it's hockey. Maybe it's uh, basketball or whatever. And we, we came up with the concept of senior night, and that became um, – it, it, it benefited them maybe, but it certainly benefited us. We needed content. And, and, and it was really cool to find out that that meant things to people around the country. We were really, really, you know, proud that we were able to, to, to honor them appropriately. And then we had, then we had, you know, last dance and we turned the last dance into content and yeah, salute to our groups. Salute to my guy, J Mac, Jace McCallum is a, one of our, producers on the show he went back to him through the bulls season and found bad beats from the bulls <laughs> from the bulls 1996 season and we're showing bad beats and it was i remember people thinking oh my god like because you imagine being some poor guy that was on the wrong end of a beat you know however many years ago and now now you're reliving it again thinking yeah i had the jazz that night or whatever but um i it we we, I think we talked to Jeff Passan like 42 times. We talked to Adrian Wojnarowski, probably the same, because it was some version every day, Dan, you remember it, of the same thing. Hey, what do we think they're going to do? What's the bubble going to look like? When might they compete? What are the protocols going to be? It was, um, it was just, you, you did it three times more than I did, uh, three hours more a day. I, did, I just wonder this, did you mentally did you just feel like i don't know that i can continue to do this like did you feel like your brain was in a knot at times it was strange coming in i, I you don't have any choice you have to do it but i remember it takes me about 12 minutes to get to work and it felt like those 12 minutes i would dread because i was like i i don't know how to do this now and and look I, we we have it great and i'm not i don't mean to diminish anything this of is course. just our vacuum my world trying to entertain this audience. And I'd come into Paulie and I'd go, what do you got? Christ. And I, I, I never relied on, I don't think we relied on each other so much over that two month span because I said, we still have to do it. We may not, we may be, you know, whining and moaning, and, but we got to do it. We're a diversion for people around the country. We, I don't care what it is, we got to do it. And, you know, we just, our ratings went up. Mm. Our, our audience grew with no sports because I, I think our approach was a smart approach. But, you know, we were all in it together. And I said to the audience, I don't have answers. No. But we're trying and we'll be here every single day for you. But I just remember, I don't know if I've ever had a challenge like that where you did have Tom Brady. That was a great story. story. Like we had moments, pockets where you're going, oh, let's grab onto that. And you would hold on to that life raft a little bit longer because you didn't have anything else to talk about. Uh, sure. and, and you made something that maybe was not as big, a little bit bigger uh, as a result. But it was 
I'll look back on that as one of the proudest moments I've ever had with this show. And you'll probably, I'm going to guess, look back on what you guys did two years ago, the start of two years ago with your team. Without a doubt, Dan. I, I think what it speaks to, and you certainly have this, is, there, is a relationship with the audience. And when the, when, the, when the audience knows you, and they know you sort of, they know your voice, they know what you stand for, they know who you are, that you, they know you're not going to try to BS them. And, and when you're just trying to get through all of it together and you recognize that what you are, and, and we got some wonderful notes from people yeah. that, that you represent this thing. You're some light that's on and it's comfortable. And I'm thinking, I'm glad it's comfortable for you because I'm, I'm over here. Like I'm a one man band playing a kazoo and banging on the drums <laughs> like a chimpanzee. I'm just trying to make noise for the hour. And, but yes, I mean, Certainly the, 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 the senior night stuff, uh, it was, it was, it felt great to be able to give somebody something. Just, I see you, I acknowledge your team and we know you were, almost did something awesome and it got taken no one's fault. Right. But what's, what's incredible right now, two years later, last week I was down in Durham for, for Carolina Duke and, and I, you know, you're in the building for that last game and more than anything, I was just struck by what 9,400 people sound like, what it feels like, the energy, the, the shared experience. And then this sport, what, what sport provides. Like Duke was there for a party and Carolina was not there for a party, man. They were there to win and they did. And all of what, go, just coming home from that, I was just moved by the shared experience, the sound of it, the feeling of it. And then the theater of what sports and only sports are. And I, I know you and I both, we've talked about this, just how fortunate we feel to, to do what we do and to catalog this and to get to know the people that do it. And then just, then just to watch the games. And God, without the fans there, which credit to all the sports that came back, because watching sports help. But fans make sports what they are. They really do. And years from now, when we look back on that year, the NFL played games with nobody. It's just so odd. It's so jarring. And then it became jarring when we saw people there again. You had to reacquaint yourself with what all that felt like. So it's, um, I don't know, man, it's wild. In some ways, it feels like it was 100 years ago. And in the midst of it, it felt like it would never end. You know, it was just this quicksand that you just were trying to keep your head and keep your mind afloat. And um, I don't know, it wasn't an honor. I don't know. It's just what we are lucky enough to do. But I'm I was proud of what we tried to do then. Just like the same thing that you're, you know, you're going to fill three great hours today and every day. That's what you do. And that's what we try to do. Great to catch up with you as always, Scott. Congratulations on the honor of Sportscaster of the Year. I appreciate that. I, I you know, I got a nice phone call. I, I tied Ernie Johnson. Didn't beat him, but I tied him. So, I'll, you know, I'll, I'm happy. I don't know if we have to cut a trophy in half. I don't care. I got something. But it's I'll like a tie it. goes to the runner, so it's okay. I mean, you were safe at first, and you, you get to have a trophy. You get to have I kick Ernie Johnson's ass in a 40. I, I really feel like I would. Really? No, I don't. I'd probably pop a hamstring <laughs> in an Achilles. <laughs> Thank you, Scott. Be well, Dan. That's Scott Van Pelt, ESPN Sports Center anchor. 